0: Amen. Galatians 3, starting in verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by the works of the law? Or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was a Counted to him as righteousness, know then that it was those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. You may be seated. As you may have noticed, we haven't advanced very far in chapter 3. You know, I said these are deep waters, and they are. There's so much to learn here. And I didn't really want to rush through it. And there were some truths that we didn't touch on, so... I decided to go in these deep waters and look for another bucket of nuggets, nuggets of truth. It's so important that we get this portion right. You know, Paul says it's in vain what these guys suffered in that because they had it wrong. If we don't get it right, if we don't abide by God according to what He commands of us, Christ centered, Word centered, empowered by the Holy Spirit, if that isn't our foundation, it doesn't matter what we do, it's in vain with our lives if our foundation isn't fixed in the true faith. I tried coming up with an analogy to make it clearer. Maybe this will make it even more unclear. I don't know. but I grew up right by two railroads. Uh, Milwaukee Road went east and west, Chicago Northwestern, north and south. Hundreds of trains probably passed by a week. So when we grew up, we hung around the tracks a lot. My friend's dad was the, the manager of the roundhouse, so we could go there whenever we wanted to climb on the trains. And we even got the Turned the Hiawatha train around. He'd let us drive it. We'd help clean it. That was a train that went to Milwaukee at that time in the morning and came back at night carrying workers. And there was a Y out there. That's where they turned the trains around. And we used to, as kids, take turns running the engine out to the Y with his grandpa right there. But it was pretty cool. But we also saw numerous derailments. Some were minor derailments. You know, a car would go off. Somebody wouldn't throw a switch right. But I tell you, whenever a car or two cars or anything derailed, everybody in the neighborhood knew about it. We all had to run up there and go look. Like I say, when there was one or two cars, they'd bring in a crane, ride them, fix the tracks. But when you had the engine go off, get a broken rail or an obstruction on the tracks at high speed. The other cars would just follow that engine off the tracks. I remember when we were young there was one derailment that was right through the whole city of Watertown. These derailments you may have a hundred cars. You'll see pictures where the car is back further with the accordion because they can't go any further. But each time those cars turn like that, they take up the rail because the train tracks, the wheel has an edge sticking down. And that's a mess. It can take months to get those tracks working. But the thing is that everything that follows that engine, the leader, off the tracks, is heading toward destruction. And that's what Paul is talking to these Galatians about. If you leaders are leading people into destruction off the wrong rails, no matter what they learn, no matter how much they want to please God, if they're doing it, doing it contrary to what God commands, it's in vain. And the longer they're going off the rails in the wrong direction, the harder it will be to get righted, to get back, back to the truth. Now I think we can safely say there are many churches in America that are off the rails. And they're taking cars and leading them in the different paths. So we see no fault, the virus, homosexuality, abortion being accepted in the church. And the further and further they go and accept this because they've given up the truths of God The harder it will be to rein them in. The leadership must keep the congregations on track. And many times, the sins, when it gets so bad, it's those calling the people back. Like Paul is doing here. They're saying they're the radical. But think about it: Luther was the radical. Jesus was the radical. Calvin was the radical, because he wanted to call the people back to the foundation, to the foundation. You know, we live in a nation, whenever we see a disaster, this or that, we say, we have to pray to God. Let's pray to God for His blessing. Do you ever hear people say, or believe that maybe we're being cursed because we're so far off the rails? Judge for yourself. Read Deuteronomy 28 and 29, the blessings and the curses. One of the curses is national debt. In 1980, our debt was one trillion. By 1990, it was four trillion. By 2000, it was eight trillion. By 2016, it was 16 trillion. By 20, it was about 21 or 22. And now it's about $33 trillion. That's read Deuteronomy. A blessing is when you're loaning the other nations and a curse is when you're borrowing. That's as far as that rabbit trail I'm going to go down. But it's just, we cannot go through this world And think that our nation will be continually blessed by God and never cursed by God. If we keep going down and foolishly give up a Christ-centered system, as God commands. Christ-centered, His Word-centered. So let's look again, and I'm just going to go through quickly some of these verses says, oh, foolish Galatians, you know, and that, like I mentioned a week or two ago, a fool says in the heart, there is no God. This word is fool in biblical tense carries a lot of weight. Remember, Jesus said, if you call somebody a fool, you're in danger of the hellfire. Because basically, you're calling them an unbeliever. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, if these Galatians keep going down the wrong road, and they don't write their car back on the tracks. They're in the same category as the atheist who says in his heart, there is no God. And anybody they teach to follow them will be twice the sons of hell that they are because they'll keep teaching what they were taught. And he says, who has bewitched you? We know that the deceiver is Satan and in this case he bewitched through the members of the church which Jesus warned about. Wolves in sheep clothing. Who's tricked America? It's the same thing. Satan, of course. That's why have you noticed that Christians who stand up 100% pro-life Stand up against the homosexuality, stand up against the open thievery. They're being called the radicals, the domestic terrorists. It's because our nation and the churches, many of them, have been off the rails so far, they do call evil good. Good, evil. You know, Satanism, witchcraft is the fastest growing religion in the country right now. So, should it surprise you what we see happening in some of the churches? Should it shock us when we see these people gathering and you see signs that said, life would be so much better if Mary had an abortion. Life would be so much better without Christianity. They're off of the rails because they took their eyes off of Christ. Christ. Tells us it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Again, those churches who are taking their congregants off the rails, down the wrong way, it's because they've taken their eyes off of Christ and his work, his atoning work. And along with that comes his word is abandoned. And what happens when you have That step, those steps going away from God and his word, you lose the power of the Holy Spirit. You lose the power of the Holy Spirit giving you wisdom and discernment. And that's why they can keep taking step after step further and further away from the truth and they can say they're pleasing God doing it. There was a news this weekend. The church was promoting their, their drag queens in the service and having them lead in the service. The guy protested and he got uh, tossed out by the security. But let me ask you, what if that church Who was promoting that said, We're going to take up offerings so we can promote this in other churches. And people give their money and then they go around saying, Well, I'm a good believer. I give to missions. Doesn't that sound good? Is that pleasing to God? Again, we lose that discerning wisdom the further and further we stray and are derailed from God's Word, the foundation. You know, John Calvin wanted a moratorium, a stop on a while for any statues, any pictures they didn't have photographs, any paintings in the churches because people would get hung up on them and start more or less worshiping them, being astonished by them. And Calvin says, like Paul said, what we need is ministers who preach so clearly of Christ and his atoning work, his work on the cross, the law and the Holy Spirit working in us. It's as if we're standing right below the cross and seeing Jesus hung on it. He knew that the church had to be Christ-centered and focused on that. Because otherwise, it's easy to go off the rails, pump ourselves up, make our own rules. Just like the Pharisees did. Add to the word of God to the point where Jesus called them the sons of Satan. We must preach so clearly that you saints understand the true gospel message and understand where your strength and your wisdom comes from, and it's not from inside of you. we continue on. It says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Yeah, and that's a rhetorical question. Of course, these people knew it was the Holy Spirit. They were around when Pentecost came. Many of them were alive at that time. But they also knew that there was three witnesses because the the Holy Spirit came on Cornelius and the Gentiles. In Acts 10, it tells us, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The Gentiles and Cornelius' family, it was. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptism? Baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. the third witness, the Samaritans. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard the Samaritans had received the word of God They sent to them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit for that had not fallen on any of them. But they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. These Galatians... Would have known and heard about all that. Remember, the Gentiles were hated, and I think the Samaritans were hated even worse. And now the Holy Spirit was falling on them. That would be the talk of the villages and the towns. It was clear to the early church and the early believers that it was faith by hearing faith by the working of the Holy Spirit that transformed people into Christians. Faith in God, faith in the works of Jesus, the knowledge that the Father said to Jesus, or Jesus said, I have lost none that you have given me. All part of the Father's plan. Now Paul goes, again, like I mentioned a little earlier, to another biblical truth. Not all who proclaim Christ are true believers. The wheat and the tares grow up together. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Remember, these early believers, he's speaking to the Jewish believers, they were pretty much cast out of society. The Jerusalem and society, they were like shunned when they became Christians. They suffered a lot. The Romans, they persecuted them. What Paul is saying here, maybe you're saying you, you think you believe, you're standing with the Christians. You're being persecuted like the other believers. However, if you're not following Christ, relying on His atoning work solely, all this suffering is in vain. It doesn't make any difference. It's not pleasing to God. You're being punished even though you're a non-believer but you're being punished as a Christian. He's questioning their salvation. He's saying if your car was derailed and you follow the wrong engine down those tracks, it doesn't matter what you do. And you say you're doing it for God, it's not pleasing to God. Because you're not doing it according to His Word. You have to be on the right track, the right path, following the right engine. Otherwise, your works and your efforts are in vain. It's not like the popular saying, all religions lead to the same thing. That tells you one thing, that they don't know anything about theology. We are the ones who have the one and only atoning God for us. The other religions don't. These may be harsh words to these Galatians, but they're biblically sound. So now Paul, he goes back historically because these people, these Galatians, were using Abraham as their example and circumcision. And remember, the Jews like to throw that out. We're the sons of Abraham. We're God's people. We're the sons of Abraham. Just a point of interest. We're the sons of Abraham. He's the father of our faith. He's the father of the Jewish faith. As a matter of fact, he's the father of the Muslim faith. They trace their faith back to Abraham and it says does he who supplies the spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness now we can all say we're the sons of Abraham the Christians, the Jews and the Muslims so who's got it right? how would you answer that? The Jews would say, I'm saved, I'm the son of Abraham. The Muslims were saved, we're right with God, we're the sons of Abraham. What's the difference? How would you answer it? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? That's where our answer lies. It's by hearing with faith. Hearing with faith. It's the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, the gospel message. The Jews reject that, the Muslims reject it. That's how you answer it. It's by hearing. Through God's word that we come to faith that we are the sons of Abraham because we believe God's word. All of his word. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. who have faith in God's word. You know, the, the Muslims have faith, the Jews have faith. But they don't have faith in the gospel message. It's different. Can you continue on? It says in the scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, "In you shall all the nations be blessed." So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Abraham is a man of faith. That's hearing with faith and trusting the word of God. Abraham trusted the promises of God. It says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Again, he believed God's word. God's promises. Again, Paul in his wisdom goes back to the patriarch and proves to these Galatians that it was by faith and trusting what God had said to him and for the Gentiles would be saved as well. It was through faith, through the word of God. Trusted God's promises. Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. Just because he was your forefather doesn't mean you're saved. It's faith in God. Not only the Jews, it was for the Gentiles. God would justify the Gentiles by faith. He preached the gospel beforehand. You know, that comes in Genesis 15. We're going to read that. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. But Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, You have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look upward toward heaven, the number of stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. And he believed. And the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Very clear, very upfront. Case settled, right? Luther was correct. Shall be saved by faith. Yet, the established church during the time of the Reformation said, no, it's faith plus meritus works. You have to have these works that your slate is clean when you die or you'll end up in purgatory. So where did that come from? Well, it came from the Council of Trent. I think it was in the 1600s. called together the established church to go against the Reformation. So let's see what James says here in James 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to know your foolish person that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Abraham was justified by works. Pretty clear, huh? That's what the Council of Trent came up with. Right here is in the Scripture. So we have, And he believed in the Lord and accounted to him as righteousness. That's what Paul says. So who's right? How would you answer that one? You know, I mentioned last week or the week before. Fursell has that inspiring to be an elder. He puts a lot of work into that. And it's for just this reason that we understand and we can interpret Scripture clearly, and the importance of us continually studying Scripture and taking it serious. Let's continue on, though, in that uh, Genesis 22. You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. As the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. See, James is agreeing with what Paul has said. And that's why it's so important when we interpret Scripture, we don't take a verse here or a verse there. (coughs) Because I said in the past, the verse I would choose is eat, drink, and be merry, and I'd be good to go the rest of my life. It's in the Bible. We must understand the context what Paul was addressing. He was addressing salvation, the core issue. He goes back and he quotes Genesis 15 Abraham was justified by faith. It's a settled matter. What was James addressing? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. He was addressing a different subject. He wasn't addressing how to get saved. He was addressing what happens when you are saved. Is there a transformation? Is there evidence of salvation? How can you and I, for and I, Paul, any of us, look at somebody else and say, I believe. I think they're saved. Or I, they have the wheat and the tear grow up together. The only thing we see is the actions of the person. Is there a transformation? Are they changed? And that's what James was addressing here. It's a justification of your faith by the works that you do in the sight of men. We can say, yeah, I believe that person's a believer. Doesn't mean we're 100% right all the time. That's why the scriptures tell us to test ourselves, examine ourselves, see if you're in the faith. Again, Paul was addressing saving faith. James agreed. But James. Was addressing how is your faith justified in the sights of men? Are you transformed? Are you changed? For the body, apart from the spirit, is dead, so also faith, apart from works, is dead. That's why it's important we come and we study and we continually study because otherwise it's easy for someone to take us down the wrong rail. So many people are are reading their prophecy charts and sitting there, oh, it's going to get worse and worse. We're waiting for God to come back. And you know, you, you can pull that apart so easily because they take a verse here from one book, put it with a a verse from another book, and they get the Bible to say whatever they want. We can't be led off the wrong rails. Because the further we're led off those trails, the less effective we are for God. Because the Holy Spirit will not use us. Unless we're walking according to His Word. You know what we want for our lives? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Think about that. Where do you want to be? I prefer to be called a friend of God. Can you ask for any other blessing, any greater blessing than that? We must keep our engine on the right tracks. We must be men and women of study and discernment. Let us pray. Lord and our God, as we keep digging into this book of Galatians, I just pray, O Lord, that your Holy Spirit burdens our hearts to love you, to love your Son and his works, and to love the working of the Holy Spirit, that we let go of our own imaginations and seek after you, Lord. Teach us to be your friends, not at war with you. I ask this in Jesus' name.